0: Now, if you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 3. And to start us out this morning, um, I thought I would make, uh, make sure that we had a little lightheartedness um, to Father's Day. And I have a video that we're going to play here in just a moment. Hopefully one that will give us a little bit of a chuckle. One that will resonate with dads. Um, but to, to kind of lighten, lighten the, the mood a little bit before we dive in and be challenged today by the Word of God. And so if you guys would, uh, please direct your attention uh, to the screens um, and check out this quick video um, called Dad Jokes Anonymous, I believe is what it's called. Uh, or, or maybe Dad Jokes um, a Support Group or something along those lines. So if you would go ahead and play that video, uh, make sure the volume is turned up. Hey, dads, let's go ahead and get started guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're gonna try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight we've also got a guest with us. David, and would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, hey guys, I'm David. 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 How many kids do you have, David? None. At least, not at the moment. Uh, My wife is pregnant, and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. Great. Super. Great. Who would like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd, yes. My daughter and I went to the mall, and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. And I said, I don't trust stairs, because they're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. Oh, yeah. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Okay. Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Church. Jerry, Church. that joke is dead on arrival. Because <laughs> it's the last thing I need. David, how about you? Oh, I didn't, I didn't. say <laughs> this is a safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it. Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. M-I-S-T. You're a monster. This is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, Yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb. (laughs) I'm gonna be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah. So I told my wife she drew her eyes. Dads, you guys resonate with that? Oh, yeah. How many of you would um, be honest in church this morning? All for honesty in church? Uh, Would raise your hand and say, "I have I have made my fair share of dad jokes." (laughs) Um, uh, My kids get annoyed um, when I share dad jokes because my dad jokes are not just funny, plain dad jokes. My my dad jokes are biblical dad jokes, and so I say things like, "You know, who's the shortest person in the Bible?" And my kids will reply with something like "knee high, Maya," but it's not. It's really build, Dad, the shoe height. Um, <laughs> thank you for laughing at my jokes. It makes me feel better. We can dive into our text now this morning. Uh, now that my nerves have settled, I believe today um, our text is pretty straightforward and very simple. We're going to be looking at one single verse today in the book of Colossians, possibly two as our time goes on. But this one verse is divided naturally into three separate parts. And we're going to look at all three parts today. It is Colossians 3, verse 21. Verse 21. It says, Fathers, provoke not your children, lest they be discouraged. Lest they be discouraged. So first, there is an address to the dads. He says, Father. Second, there is a command to you as the dad, provoke not your children. And then last, there is the purpose of the command, lest they be discouraged. Provoke not your children, lest they be discouraged. Now we're going to look at all three of these parts in the text at one time, but we're going to do so in reverse order. We're going to look at it backwards. We're going to direct our attention to the goal of a Christian father, namely rearing children who are not discouraged. Then we're going to look at the duty of the Christian father, namely not doing things that discourage our children. And then finally, we will focus on the leader in Christian parenthood, namely the father. But before we get there, uh, women... Um, I do not want to exclude my audience in here this morning being that it is specifically Father's Day. So I would like for you as women to please follow along. Don't tune out this morning because before we get there, I want us to talk a little bit about the fatherhood of God. The fatherhood of God. In the Lord's Prayer... Jesus taught the disciples to call God Father when he started out by saying our what? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's how he taught the disciples to pray unto God. Jesus also taught the disciples that not everyone has God as their father if we look back to the gospel of John chapter 8, we know that Jesus said this to those who refused to follow him. If God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded and came forth from God. But he goes on to tell these people that you are uh, of your father, the devil, and you seek to fulfill his desires. And so Jesus was very clear that not everyone has God as their father. God is the father only of those who are led by the spirit of Christ. Do you know in in Romans chapter 8 and commercial break. Romans, we're going through that book on Wednesday nights at 6.30. I encourage you to be here. In Romans chapter 8, which we're coming very quickly to. In Romans chapter 8. Paul says that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to God. Does not belong to God. He goes on to say that all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. Or in in your case as women, you were included in that or daughtership of, of God. And Paul goes on to say that when we cry, Abba, Father, when we cry out, Daddy, God, it is His Spirit that bears witness to the Spirit inside of us that we are one of His children. Do you know, not everyone can lay claim to the the privilege of knowing God as Dad. Not everyone gets to lay claim to that. John 1 tells us only those who are born of God can call Him Father. John 1 also tells us only those who receive Christ can call Him Father. And only those, according to Romans chapter 8, who are led by His Spirit can call Him Father or have the right to the inheritance of God's children. So that, that is what it means to have God as your Father. There are are two reasons I began with that word about the fatherhood of God. One is that I believe that all human fatherhood should be patterned after the divine father. Amen, church? Uh, The overarching guide for fatherhood should be to live in such a way that our children, both physical and spiritual, can see what God the Father is like through our lives. They ought to be able to look at a human father and see a reflection, albeit imperfect, should still see a reflection of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and His tenderness and His wrath and His surpassing wisdom and patient guidance. Do you know the task of every human father is to be for his children an image of God? That is a big task. Amen, church? Huge. The other reason I began with the fatherhood of God is to give this message relevance for every single person in this room, every one of us. Whether you are a father or not, whether you had a Christian father or not, I want to make clear from the very outset That the sadness many may feel at never having had a father like the one I will describe today is overwhelming in our culture. Or the the sadness that others may feel at never having been the father I'm about to describe is also something that's overwhelming I'm going to be giving something to our men at the end of the service, and I've explained in there that nearly 40% of American homes are fatherless homes. 40%, 75% of children between the ages of 12 and 17 who are in the juvenile correction system in our country, 75% came out of fatherless homes. The sadness that surrounds both Mother's Day and, and more, in fact, on Father's Day, can be swallowed up and overcome by joy and peace. It can be. It can be removed because... God offers fatherhood to anyone who will accept the gift of adoption through his son. And so we can, church, have a godly father in our heavenly father, in our creator. There are two ways this morning that we can listen to this message. One is to take it as a straightforward exhortation to you from the word of God on how to raise spiritual and physical children. The other way is to take this this sermon and this portion of Scripture as a parable that points to the way that the the God in heaven, our Father, loves us as we believe and follow His Son. Frankly, my prayer has been that we would look at it in both senses, as a guidance, but also as a reflection of the love that we receive every single day day so for those of you who are gold star students and note takers in here I would like for you to please write down the phrase lest they become discouraged I want us to now go to the text and begin with the last phrase of Colossians 3 21 fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged the goal of fatherhood is And what Paul is laying out for us is to raise children who are not discouraged. Now that word discouraged means one who has lost heart, one who is listless, one who is spiritless, disinterested, moody, sullen, one who lives life with a blank resignation about life. That is one who is discouraged. Don't be the kind of father that raises that kind of person. That's what Paul is saying. Now instead, we should develop a style of fatherhood that produces the very opposite of discouragement. Now you may be sitting out there saying, what is the opposite of discouragement? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to hopefully unpack this for us this morning. I have three characteristics that I believe describe the opposite of discouragement. The first one, I would say, the opposite of being discouraged is being hopeful. Being hopeful. The opposite of discouraged is one of being joy-filled. Joy-filled. And the last one, the opposite of being discouraged, my third characteristic would be one of confidence- Or courageousness would be words that I would use interchangeably for one who is not discouraged. So I would say here as we look at this verse, the negative form of of verse 21 really implies a positive command to us as parents. It says, fathers, provoke not your children lest they become discouraged. Paul did not mean to only avoid the kind of fatherhood that leads to discouragement. He also meant pursue another kind of fatherhood. Look for something different. Namely, the kind of fatherhood that gives hope instead of discouragement. The kind of fatherhood that brings joy, that brings confidence or courage into our children's lives. Now, if we stopped right there... If I said, that's it, this is the end of the sermon, please, please leave, let's go, let's go have our day, let's eat with our family, let's get up and walk out, I would not have said anything distinctly Christian. Nothing at all. Why? Because statistically speaking, there is not one parent in tens of thousands who think that their aim of parenthood is to discourage their children. Would you, agree, would you agree with me? There's not one parent out there, not anyone in their right man, mind, who thinks that their aim of parenthood is to ensure their child is discouraged when they leave the home. But the Apostle Paul would be distressed if all I did were to use his words to simply express some everyday common sense. Or some natural wisdom that we should already attain. In fact, Paul was not inspired by the Holy Spirit to confirm the insights of Dr. Spock. That's not what he did. And in fact, Paul was inspired to teach parents things that no natural eye has seen. And no natural ear has heard as as though he wrote to the church at Corinth. And this is what I mean this morning, church. Paul's teachings make it very clear that when he says that we should be fathers who give hope fathers who who lead our children into relationships with God he meant hope and joy and and confidence in God not in us not not hope in money not hope in popularity, not hope in education or a spouse or a professional success. If you were to ask Paul, if you were to ask Jesus in his day, Jesus, what kind of freedom from discouragement do you want my children to have? I guarantee they would not have said, I want your child to be free from discouragement that's filled by the hope of becoming wealthy. I don't, yes, I don't believe that he would have said, I want your child free from discouragement, filled by hope and being well-known, or being intellectual, or being married, or being successful. We know that's not what he means, church. He means to be the kind of father who does not discourage our children, but rather fills them with hope in God. And when we consider joy as the opposite of discouragement, we see hope. But when, when, we, when we consider joy, Paul would not be content if a father simply made his child feel good by giving him whatever he pleased. Uh, there is a happiness in the Bible that kills. Church, would you agree with me? Did you know that? There is a happiness that the Bible talks about that? kills to some kinds of of happiness or joy in Scripture. James says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. He was talking about those who chase after worldly satisfactions to fill the God-sized hole in one's life. There is a happiness that the Bible talks about that has nothing to do with God and therefore it has no value in the sight of God. It comes from the creation alone and not from the creator. And that is not what Paul wants from the fathers to put in place of discouragement. But there is yet another joy that comes to expression. One that I believe speaks to exactly what Paul was talking about. And it comes from Psalm chapter 4. It's going to come to the screen for you. It says, You have put more joy in my heart than they, than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Fathers, don't discourage your children, but bring hope in God and joy through God. Teach them early on, Dad. Dad. Teach them early on and show them earlier yet in their life that through many sufferings, they must enter the kingdom of God as talked about in Acts chapter 14. And for those of you who have been coming through the the Romans Bible study, bring them back to the book of Romans chapter 5 where it says rejoice in suffering because suffering produces endurance and that endurance produces character. And what does that character bring? Hope. It brings hope in God. Don't discourage them, Dad. Show them joy in God by helping them to hope in God. And when we consider confidence as the opposite of discouragement, the message of Scripture takes a very dramatic turn away from common sense, natural wisdom of the world the world says don't discourage your child but build up his self-confidence scripture says don't discourage your child but build up his god confidence build up his god confidence you know in fact scripture is more precise than that it teaches don't discourage a child but do your best to root out self-confidence Do your best to root out that self-confidence and replace it with a confidence in truth. Truth that only comes from the word of God. And when it teaches us to root out self-confidence, it means root out the desire to be and appear self-confident. The Scripture knows that most people will not uh, succeed at being self-confident. It knows that. In fact, it even talks about how people would become unhappy with their ability to appear self-reliant and self-assured and cool and in control. Why? Because Scripture teaches us to remove those things from our lives. It teaches us to root them out. And it's not talking about going after the half-withered branches or the bad fruit. He says, attack the very root of why you are sinful. And so church, the Bible teaches us to go after the desire to be self-confident and remove it, not just the meager manifestations of it in our lives. There's one specific and vivid illustration in Scripture. In the New Testament, About how Paul, Paul's heavenly father, God was patiently working out that very root of self-confidence in Paul. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's a description of, of how God the father was working on Paul. And this is nearly 20 years after his conversion. Which gives us hope. It gives us hope that God is still patient even when there's something very deeply rooted in all of us that needs to go away. Paul wrote this. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we desired of life itself. Why? We felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely, or the Greek word there, to be confident, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In other words, the divine purpose of Paul's affliction here in 2 Corinthians was to root out the remaining self confidence that Paul had and to cast it on to God alone. Why? Why? Because God didn't want Paul to be confident? Why? Because God didn't want or wanted Paul to become listless? He wanted Paul to become spiritless? He wanted him to be moody or sullen or weak or fearful? No. No, not at all. In fact, it was God who came to Paul shortly after that and said, Do not be afraid. Speak and do not be silent for I am with you. For I am with you. The confidence that we should be building in our children is not self confidence, but confidence in the grace and power of God. A confidence that, that says, Do not be afraid, my dear child. God is with you. God is with you. Do not be afraid. There was a, a man, um, Andrew Benar. He was a 19th century Scottish pastor. And he said this about the teaching of children. He said, we tell them you are sinners exposed to God's wrath and curse. And you cannot save yourself, but God's own son can save you by himself bearing. Dad, teach your child to despair of all self-confidence and desire for a confidence in God's grace and God's mercy and God's justice and God's peace and his joy, his gentleness. Do you know the goal of, of biblical fatherhood is to have children who say, God grant us help against the enemy because man's help is vain. God with you, as the, psalm writer, as the psalm writer wrote in Psalm 60, we shall do valiantly with you, God, for it is you who will tread down our enemies. A good father should ponder, how can I be like my heavenly father? It should be a thought that we dive into scripture on a daily and weekly basis. How can I be more like God for my family? How can I banish self-reliance in my life? How can I show my children to fill their confidence and courage and zeal and boldness in God and his word? How can I do this? How can I be the kind of father of children who do not lose heart? How can I be the the spiritual dad of someone who's not discouraged? How can I lead them there? How can I I help show that they can be filled with hope in God and joy in God and confidence in God and courage to attempt things for God? How can I do this? Well, that question now leads us to turn to the second portion of the text the duty of the Christian parent to not provoke their children. And so, if you would please write down for me do not provoke your children. Fathers, dads, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Again, we notice in this portion of the verse, the commandment is negative. It's something to be avoided. It's a warning against the misuse of legitimate authority. If you would, look with me at verse number 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. We see here Paul giving tremendous authority and responsibility to mom and dad under the the authority of God. Children are to do what the parent says, but in verse 21, he cautions fathers against the misuse of God-given authority. He cautions them. He says, bear this in mind, dad. Don't treat your children in such a way that their spirit is broken and they become hopelessly discouraged. Paul called this misuse provoking. Do not provoke your children. In Ephesians 6, a different word is used that specifically means do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. But this here is a very general word. And in choosing the broad and general word here, Paul would have us teach that parents should avoid everything that ruins a child's confidence in God. And he leaves them hopeless and discouraged. Mom, dad, that requires tremendous wisdom from God. That, that requires wisdom that we do not have in this world. Why? And I'm going to say something this morning, and I want you to write it down. It's not going to hit the screens. Church, short term discouragements do not always result in long term hopelessness. I'm going to say it again. Short term discouragements do not always lead to long term hopelessness. I'm going to take a pause break here for just a moment. Fathers, the text here is not telling us that we can't say no to our child. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you allow for your child to make the rules. That is unbiblical. It is unbiblical. You as the parent have been given authority over your child. So when you set the rules and you set the standard based upon righteousness, you should make your child follow through while they are living in your home. If not, you are setting your child up for failure in this life. Dad, you're the example. You're the one, and I'm going to point to this in just a moment. He, he said, children, obey your parents, and then he addressed the dad. Dad, father, provoke not your child. That means you set the standard, and you help your child to reach that standard. You don't. You, you do not allow for child to get away and do whatever it is that they want. That's unbiblical, completely fly in the face of truth. You're the spiritual leader. You set the tone of where you're going to lead your family. Is it going to be closer to your sinfulness or towards the feet of Christ? God clearly brings at times in Scripture Short term frustrations and discouragements into our life precisely to put us back on the footing of faith. Great wisdom is needed here in being a father. And so let me ask then what do fathers do that provoke children to long term discouragement and hopelessness? What do they do? Well, I'm going to mention two quick things. Two quick things. The first one is that some fathers fail to be joy-filled and hopeful and confident in God. That's the first thing. Dads, what, what are you in relation to God is far more important than any particular parenting technique that you try to employ. It's far greater. Will your children hope in God if you hope in money? Will your children hope in God if they see that your fishing experience is better for you than your worship experience at church? Will your children become in God if your whole demeanor communicates that you have a desire to be seen as self confident? What does that communicate to our kids? The most important work for a father for the sake of his children is to be converted. To be saved by Jesus Christ. The most important strategy in that for raising children is to become a new man, to be changed. As we learned about last Wednesday, that the old man was put to death on the cross and that the new man is living. That you've put on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. That you would walk in love. That you would abhor what is evil as we're going to see in Romans chapter 12. That you would let your love be genuine. That you would pray for your enemy. These are all characteristics that are talked about. But most importantly, We are to have a hope and a joy and confidence in God, not in self. You know, this is true from Scripture because there we are taught to imitate our Heavenly Father. One of my favorite... Oh, I say that all the time, guys. I'm sorry. One of my favorite portions of the book of 1 Peter is that Peter tells the, the believer, the Christian, to be holy as he... Is holy. And in Luke chapter 6, we are told to be merciful the way that Christ is merciful. To to be a good child is to copy dad. To copy dad. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to do everything that my... I wanted to do everything that my dad did. I wanted to learn everything that my dad knew. Because my dad was my hero. There was a song that I used to play over and over and over when I was a child. And the song goes, I want to be just like you. The dad is talking to God. I want to be just like you, God, because my son wants to be just like me. Let me be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. To be a good child is to copy your dad, it honors a father to be imitated. We're commanded in Scripture to honor our fathers. And so the most important question a a father should be asking is, what shall I teach my, is not what shall I teach my children? That's not the most important question. But rather, who am I before a living God? Who am I before a living God? The first thing that that father can do to provoke their children to long-term discouragement and disobedience or discouragement and hopelessness is to fail to be joy-filled to fail to be confident and hopeful in God the second thing that fathers can do to provoke their children is to discipline them in impulsive and erratic and inconsistent ways unpredictable, and hostile discipline makes che- children fearful. It makes them bitter. It makes them deceitful and discouraged. They don't know where or why the next explosion is going to come from. And they will say to themselves, what's the use? How can I hope to be good at any, doing anything better than being bad in the eyes of my dad? And so the spirit of a child is crushed and broken be- because they have no moral hope left in them. And it's a place that comes a calculating, discouraging, maneuvering place in the life of a child. On the other hand, when a dad's discipline is controlled, when it's Holy Spirit guided, when it's appropriate, when it's consistently based on truth and clear rules and the principles of justice as taught in the Bible... There is now an atmosphere created for children to flourish within the boundaries of freedom. That means a child knows the limits. They feel secure. They feel free to dream and play and work inside those limits of righteousness. They gain confidence that is in the ways of God. Church, we must realize that God is not capricious. God is not impulsive or erratic or inconsistent. There is order with God. There is justice that's tempered with mercy. There's hope and encouragement. So a child would then say, I might even be able to accomplish something of value or even greatness if I fit into that order. And depend on the goodness of God. So fathers, don't provoke your children to being impulsive, erratic, inconsistent. Be like your heavenly father. So that your children can know him and become hopeful and confident in him. Now much more could be said about the kinds of things that provoke long-term discouragement and hopelessness in our children but i don't have the time to address the last piece or the very beginning of verse number 21 fathers fathers to the third the third part of the text here the address verse 20 said children obey your parents It clearly teaches that mothers as well as fathers are to be obeyed. Mothers and fathers have shared authority as they parent their children. But in verse 21, fathers are addressed in particular. Uh, There is a peculiar role that the scripture gives to the husband and the father. Dad, in here, you bear a special responsibility for the moral life of your family. So I urge you to take that responsibility, Dad. And to you, be the kind of man that gives hope. One that brings joy. One that brings confidence to your children and your spouse because you yourself have found hope and joy and confidence in God. Men, I have a challenge for you this morning. And so if you would, stop writing. Men, close your Bibles. And men, I would like for you to please stand at your seats. I have something very direct I would like to say to you. Something very pointed. All men in here. Because if you are a man, you are a, you are a created leader in the order of God. Men, If your relationship with God is minimal or non-existent, now is the time to address it. Until you're right in a right relationship with God or your relationship is right before God, you will never, never ever fully understand or accept your role and your responsibilities as God ordained them. Men, We stand in desperate need today of men who will stand against the erosion of sin in our culture. We're in desperate need. Our community is crying out for godly men. Our churches, our schools, our families are crying out for godly men So men, as your pastor, I stand before you today telling you that I am committed to helping you as men. I'm committed to helping you and as men, we need to stand together as we stand for truth. We need to stand together as we seek to lead our families closer to the feet of God. And so men, for the last several weeks, I've been praying about what to do for you for Father's Day. And a little over a week ago, someone triggered the the push for me to follow what I felt like God was leading me to do. And I'm challenging you as men here in this congregation to allow the spark of God to get inside of you so that a fire blazes so fast that we can't even stop it. That it burns so bright that something fresh and new comes because God is the one at work within us. Because God is the one leading us. Because God is the one pushing us to go deeper. And so men, today I'm not going to hand out a bunch of food to you. Today I'm going to challenge you with the word of God. We put together right down here, and I'm going to invite each one of you to come out of your seats and to come down here. I've put together something I want to I challenge you with. There is a five-day devotional that's been written for, for you To kick off this challenge. And it's sitting right down here. One that's been prayed over and prayed over and prayed over and prayed over to minister to you. One that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. One that's going to challenge you to be engaged in fatherhood. Even if your children are long gone from your home. One that's going to list you to be a godly man to the people around you one that's going to equip you to have a changed perspective on spiritual and physical fatherhood. And so I'm asking you right now, men, I'm asking you to step out from your seat if you're ready to take that plunge. I want you to grab one of these books and I want you to stand here and I want you to face our church. You're good. You guys can just take them and then just stand here and face. If you're a man saying, I'm ready to take that challenge, it doesn't matter how old you are. Teens, young adults, those of you online, I can get you one, just let me know. Church, I want you to take a really long look at these men right here. Men who have come forward to embrace the challenge of rising up with a selfless faith. Men who are saying, we want to do it. I'm willing, God, here I am. Send me. Let me be the one. Men, in just a moment, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you to encourage you but to, to challenge you to step out. Because God is asking of us men right now to take back, to take back what the enemy has tried to steal. God is asking us right now. God is asking us right now to become men who are lovers of truth. To become men who walk in humility to become men who love mercy and abhor evil, to hate evil. God is calling us to a life of being example setters to set the standard of truth and righteousness that we've been given in scripture and church it starts right here women I'm not excluding you I'm not excluding you at all Your role is just as crucial. These men need the women to come alongside of us as we walk through this next season of life here at the Well Church. But I'm asking our men, as God orchestrated and ordained, to rise up. I'm asking our men to say, we're going to lead the charge, church, and I'm going to stand right down here with you. So I'm actually going to come down, and I want to stand down here with our... And so if you guys would, please close your eyes. If I could get some members of the prayer team, if you would be willing to come up. And I'm going to ask if the rest of you would please stand and join in agreement with us as we begin to pray, not, over, not just over our church and our church body, but over these men who are standing here before us saying that I'm committed men. Before I pray, I have one last thing to say to you. I love each and every one of you. And I'm not always the perfect example of a godly man, but I want to walk in those trenches with you. I want to I shoulder life with each and every one of you. Because that's, that's how we get through this. We're never meant to do this Christian life alone without our brothers. And so it does not matter where you are in your walk with God. It does not matter what you deal with and what you struggle with. What the most heinous sin is in your life, I wanna be here to help you bear that. And I can guarantee that there are a lot of guys up here that are willing to do the same thing. Right, guys? Hopefully, I'm not just saying that. <laughs> so let me pray over you. Let us pray over you this morning. God, we, we come to you And we thank you for your your plan for men. We thank you for your ordained call on man's life from the very beginning. From the very beginning of your word. And God, we fail that calling often because we are sinners. But Lord, I know by your grace and your mercy, you give us the strength to get up and to keep walking. And so God, I'm asking right now uh, that these men would begin to rise up as leaders in different capacities, that they would unashamedly bear the name of Jesus Christ like a seal upon their arm, that they're unashamed to say that I am a God follower, that I'm unashamed of truth, that I will guide and lead people around me and my family and my spouse and my spiritual kids, God, closer to your feet. But Lord, we know the way is difficult. We know that Satan does not want us to do what you have commanded us to do. We know that there was already a spiritual battle going on around us leading up to this service. And so God, I'm asking for warring angels to fight on behalf of us. That protection would be around us as we trudge through the trenches of this culture to do what is right. God, you've called us to a very high standard. And so I'm asking, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to impress upon each one of these men right now as they are taking this challenge. As they're rising up, Lord, you know where they need to change. You know where they need to grow. And so I pray as a church, we can surround them and help them in that. God, that we would bring them along in this life. Discipleship needs to happen in this life and in this church. God, if we want to be following your commands, I pray for peace over the heart of man. I pray for hurting marriages, broken marriages. I pray for something fresh and new to come from this season of burning away, Lord, from this refining fire that you're walking us through. I, I pray for purification in our thought lives, God. I pray that our eyes would be protected, that our ears would be guarded, that our mouths would speak words that bring life, not condemnation, not death. I pray we would be men who would overlook offense. I pray that we would be men that walk in justice, in mercy, and humility. God fill us, fill us with you so that our sinfulness is decreasing God and then Lord give us the strength to just be obedient God we need your strength when we try to do this on our own things fail things fall apart so God give us strength give us mercy Overwhelm our minds with truth, God. Help us to put to death the earthly things in us because our mind is being renewed daily by truth. Start right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen and amen.